0: Okay, as <laughs> pray, Father, thank you so much for what we've just ex- experienced, encountered and seen, it's amazing, Lord, it's amazing, but thank you, Lord, you want to do even more this morning, so much you want to do, there's so much you want to do, so I'd simply want to ask, Father, your will be done in this place, among these people today, as it is in heaven, your will be done perfectly here this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about baptism this morning, and what is baptism, and why do we do it like this, and what does it mean, what does it represent? We're going to delve into the mystery of it. I mean, it's a mysterious thing. If you're not used to church, if you're not used to kind of religious stuff, you could be thinking, I mean, that was seemed like fun, but it's weird. What was it? What did it represent? What does it speak of? And I want to just help you to do that today by really taking you through some biblical scriptures, just so you can get your head around it. And so you can understand what it means and also then before yourself think, well, is this for me? Because there may be many in this room that have never been baptised, so it'll help you to think that one through for yourself. What does the word baptism mean? It means dip. It means immerse in water. It's not actually a religious word. So if you lived 2,000 years ago in the Middle East and um, you were by the coast and uh, a ship, you saw a ship was sinking and then at the point where it actually totally capsized and went under, you would say, that ship has been baptised. And that would be part of normal language. It means it's sunk. And that's weird, that's, that is part of the reason why we sink people. Because that's what the word means. But over the centuries, obviously, it's become more of a religious word. We associate it more ceremonially. And so in that sense, kind of the way you do it, I guess, comes up for grabs a little bit more. But the word means to dip. It means to immerse. But So how would I sort of define what a, what a baptism is? I define it like this. It's a vivid and powerful act of obedience on the part of a Christian. Demonstrate in the radical difference that being joined to Christ has made. I'll say that again. It's a vivid and powerful act of obedience on the part of a Christian. Demonstrating the radical difference that being joined to Jesus Christ has made. That's what it is. That's what it speaks of. And we're going to delve into that. Now it's vivid in the sense that you're looking at something that is clearly very, very visual. Yeah, it's not just words I 'm preaching now it 's words. We're singing words earlier. This is different. it's a visual thing. You look at it. it's chiefly it's your eyes that are the senses that are being impacted. You 're seeing something very dramatic happen, and I would imagine it has an impact one way or the other. You either think, oh that's, don't, that's strange, don't, Or you just feel confused or you think drawn, you feel drawn and attracted, but it 's the visual, it's, the, it's that element. So we'll, as we unpack the imagery of baptism, you 'll understand why it's so vivid. But why is it powerful? Why is it a powerful thing? Because you could just look on and say, well, it was nice, it was a celebration, it was certainly enjoyable, but powerful? Yeah, it was powerful. Why? Well, number one, because every time a believer obeys God, there's power in there. It's an immensely powerful thing. And you think, well, why is it? Here's why. Because our chief problem is that we don't trust God and therefore we don't obey God. We kind of tend to assume the God thing is just about obeying rules and we don't like the thought of that and I want to do things my way and let me find my own way through, let me decide my own right and wrong. And so the thought of obeying a God who is a moral God, who speaks of absolute right and wrong, everything in it naturally tends to go, no. No, I don't like the idea of that. It, seems, it sounds like it's constraining, it sounds like it's limiting. I don't like that. And so for someone to say, no, I'm going to obey God and be baptised... Even though it looks a bit strange, even though people might not know what I'm doing, even though I might get some opposition, something deep is going on there. Something's happening in their heart. They've thought to themselves, do you know what? I trust him. I trust him to the extent I'm willing to do it. That is powerful. You see, being a father of young children, I notice that the big deal with obedience and disobedience comes with trust. That's the big deal. When it comes to going to bed at night, it's, like, well, it's bedtime now and there can be all kinds of fuss. And you just have to look and you say, look, trust me. Trust me. You go to bed two hours later, tomorrow's going to be a bad day. (laughs) You are going to lose the plot by lunchtime. And it's the element, are they going to trust you or not? Are they going to actually come to the point where they think, you know what, maybe that person knows better. Maybe I haven't got it all figured out. Maybe I don't know the right way through. Maybe there is an authority that genuinely knows better and wants what is good for me. Exactly the same here. Now judging by the fact in the Bible that we see that the big problem with Adam and Eve was that they they kind of thought they knew better and rebelled against God. on the one thing he said don't do, and it brought the whole of creation into disarray and what we see around us today, given that that is the case, acts of heartfelt, faith-filled obedience to God are not just powerful on an individual level, but it's a signpost saying, look, creation is being renewed in Christ. People are being brought back to God the whole of the cosmos is being brought back bit by bit, individual by individual, back into a harmonious relationship with God. It's powerful. So it's powerful because it's obedience, but it's powerful for another reason as well. It's powerful because the imagery involved, the symbolism, what it speaks of, it speaks of something that is historically true, fact, concrete, happened in space and time, an act that was so profound, so unique, That it actually, from that point on, everything changed. In fact, we all live in it, don't we? What's the date today? The date today is the 4th of October. What's the year? 2009. Well, 2009 what? 2009 since what? 2009 years since what? Since Jesus Christ hung on a cross. This man Jesus has affected the whole of history. We're going to look at the cross today. We're going to look at the crucifixion. Why? Because it's part of this picture. What baptism speaks of, the Bible gives us a, very, a few things that we're going to look at them. And the scripture's going to come up on the screen so you can see that I'm not just making it up. It's from the Bible. So, let's get the first one up here. Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried... Therefore, with him, by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Three things. Death, burial, resurrection. That's what happened to Jesus. That's what happens to every believer when they come to Christ, when they become a believer. When you become a Christian, what what actually happens? Here's what happens. The old you dies with Christ, is buried with him, and then a brand new, born again you, whose heart is now to love the Lord, who's been changed forever, rises out of the ashes ashes into newness of life. That is what happens. And so baptism vividly portrays that. As these people stirred in the pool, they're basically saying, I am now going to act out in picture form What has happened to me? I've died, number one, with Christ. That old me that always thought I knew best, I did it my way. I mean, you know what? When you go to a funeral, one of the most popular songs is I did it my way. And I'm sitting there my heart is breaking. I'm thinking, yeah, and it's because you did it your way that this funeral is so tragic. We've got to come to the place where we stop thinking we know best. And we trust the fact that there is a creator who is all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, morally perfect, loving, compassionate, holy, glorious, that he's calling us to himself, that we might only be in relationship with him so that he can give us the compass back, show us how to live, walk with us in fellowship and friendship. That's what he's offering. That's what he's about. And so this death is saying, you know what, I've died to my independence, I've died to my pride, I know best. I've died to mine. I'm not a sinner. I don't need forgiving. I've died to all of that. That's a big deal. And some of you probably even hate what I'm saying. Why? It's a big deal. It gets to the heart of what we're about. And they're saying, just like Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that he bore our sins in his body. The sinless one. He bore our sins in his body. You think, why? Here's why. Because God the Father in his mercy found a way through so that he wouldn't have to judge us like we deserve, but instead judged the son, the perfect sinless son. And the perfect sinless son volunteered himself for that mission. It was a collaboration between God to deal with the problem of our rebellion, our pride, our sin. God sorted it all in and of himself and then says, come on in. Come on in, receive forgiveness now. Receive brand new life now. Receive union And fellowship with me now. And so the person standing here, they're saying, just as Jesus died in that sense, I was crucified there. That old me, all that sin dominated me was with him. And then you go into burial, bang, that's why we put them right under the water. You're buried. Dead and buried. History. The old, the Bible says, has gone, the new has come. If anyone's in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. It's a new day, it's a new creation. And so there's a burial with Christ. Just as he was buried in the tomb, it's like I've been joined with him, buried there, and then just as he physically, actually, literally, rose from the dead three days later, we bring you out of the water, all our baptisees are glad to hear that, and they come out of the water, and it's like, it speaks of new life in him. It's a beautiful thing. See, in a nutshell, what is Christianity? It's being joined to Jesus. It's not trying to do good. Doing good is great. But that's not the heart. What's the heart? It's being joined with Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's having Jesus indwell you by his spirit. It's being reconciled to the one you were made to know. It's relationship with God. It's not religion. It's relationship with him. Walking with him. Friendship. How can I even say the word? But friendship with God. It's what this is. And that's what this speaks of. So that's why it's so powerful. That's what's happened to Nicola, to Vina and to many others in this room. Secondly, what else does it speak of? Let's look at Galatians 3 verse 27. As many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. So what's happening is they're going down and they're saying I'm now clothing myself in Christ. I'm being clothed in him. You think, well, what, what is that about? How does that work? Well, here's the deal. When God made Adam and Eve made them naked and they were totally unashamed and all was, all was well. Then after they sinned, the Bible says they suddenly realised they were naked and tried to um, sew like, little loincloths out of leaves. That was, that's what they did. Now, why? Well, here's why. Because it's it's pictorial. Well, I believe it's historically true. It's pictorial of the sense that when they sinned, they suddenly became aware of their nakedness. They were exposed before God. You know those dreams you get, the naked dreams? I haven't had them, but a friend of mine gets them. And uh, um, you know the ones where you suddenly walk down the street and have a great time and suddenly you look down? Ah, those dreams, yeah? What is going on there? Well, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. But what I do know is this. There's something about... Nakedness and public nakedness that speaks of vulnerability, the fear of being exposed, and all of that. Clothing is a lot more than simply something to keep you warm. There's something about it where you you just, it's a covering. It's a clothing. There's people that have been baptized, they're saying, I've been clothed with Christ. He is now my covering before God. This is awesome. Because if you're of the mindset that says, well, it's okay because when I get to the pearly gates or when I stand before God, He'll realize that I'm not as bad as so and so. Or actually, I've tried to be good all my life, so everything should go well. Well, here's the problem, you see. If you were standing before me as a judge, that might work. Why? Because as you're saying it, I'm thinking, do you know what? I'm aware of that, and I'm also aware you've done things wrong, but I've done things wrong too. So I can't really judge you. So I'd say, look, no worries, you just come on in. When you're before a holy God, who is morally perfect, and has never done anything wrong, never thought anything wrong, in fact, the Bible says this, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. He is light. When you stand before him and begin to come out with your reasons why you're so good and why you deserve to get into heaven, you will suddenly find yourself either incredibly embarrassed or incredibly afraid because you realise that you're not just trying to... It's easy to justify yourself in front of your friends who are sinners just like you. When you're before a holy God, it's a very different dynamic. But what does God in his mercy do? He says, Do you know what? I'm willing to completely clothe you in one who is perfect. Just completely clothe you. So that when I look at you, even though I know what you're like, and I know your flaws, and I know you better than you know yourself, because I've clothed you in Christ, the one who died in your place, my, because my justice has been satisfied through killing him, I no longer have to kill you. I can clothe you in his perfection, and I welcome you to myself. Clothed in Christ. Powerful. What else does it speak of? It speaks of cleansing. It's probably the most obvious thing. Maybe if I said to you, what is the symbol of baptism, most of you would say cleansing because of the water. I'll just show you that from the Bible. Acts 22 a man called Ananias, speaking to the Apostle Paul just after he became a Christian, he says, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptised and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Being baptised speaks of cleansing. Now, how does this work? Well, here's how it works. The wrong things that we do defile us. They are like, they're like stains in two senses. Number one, the most importantly, before God. Whether or not you feel guilty, whether or not your conscience is working that well, every sin you do is highly offensive to God. And he will call you to account for everyone. And only those sins, only, uh, only if your sin has been brought under the blood of Jesus, only if you said, you know what, I totally believe Jesus died in my place as my substitute and you put your faith in that. Only that will allow God to let you off completely your debt. And welcome you to himself. Why? Because he's a just God. He's holy. It's like if you know, if you if you, you know, you hear these terrible stories, don't you, of the, the paedophiles, you know, or the you know these Facebook things this week. It's horrific, isn't it? And or, or people that mug old women. I've read recently of you know someone's someone famous. I think they're their Nan. Um, that was a famous author. Yeah, you know, seventies or eighties got mugged on the street recently. Dra- you know, someone grabbed a handbag and dragged it on the floor. And you think, God, oh, you know. Now, what if those those perpetrators found himself in court and a judge said, you know what? So, right. Well, just this once, do you know what I mean? It's cool. We'll just sweep it and off you go. Can you imagine the uproar? I mean, even with just judges in place, they still have to ward off the vigilantes. Why? Because there's a sentence, justice must be done. The problem begins to hit when it's justice over our sin. It's alright when it's the fiend, the Facebook fiend, isn't it? It's okay when it's the, the mugger, but what about when it's the proud person? What about when it's the person who argues against God? What about when it's the person who's self righteous? I'll get into heaven, I'll be all right. All of those things are odious in God's nostrils, you see. And so, what's the deal? What's the solution? Well, the solution is this, is that God wants to cleanse you. Think, well, in what sense, through the baptism of water? Well, really, no, this speaks of it. So what do you get cleansed by? By the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, the Bible says. How? In what sense? Well, his life was poured out in the way that ours should have been. He He was under God's judgment, under God's wrath so that we can know the favour of God that really Jesus deserves. It's a straight swap. But this speaks of the fact I've been cleansed and then my conscience has been cleansed. See, this is the thing. When I became a Christian, I'd done some horrible things before that. Horrible, shameful things. But what I experienced was this reconciliation with God. Suddenly I knew him. (laughs) Suddenly, I mean, it was weird. Suddenly I knew him. It was just the strangest thing. You know, before that I'd say prayers, but if I was in trouble and it was more just like groping around, I hope he's there. Now I knew him. And it was totally different and uh, you know, my friends are saying to me, "Come on, not going to die. We've got a big bag of stuff to smoke. Come on, let's go over the field and do it." And I think I can't, I can't. Um, or don't want to. Why? Because that's where I go now to just get some time with God. He thinks weirdly really? out know, there, thinking, what? "What's happened to him? It's a miracle. I was born again. I've forgotten even what I'm talking about. I just got excited about it. I don't know how I got onto this. I don't know how I got onto this. Anyway, it was really exciting, and Jesus changed my life. That's right. But there was things I'd done, and I was aware of them, and God began to just soften my heart, and there was a sense of flavour." did that, and I remember going to shops and confessing after shoplifting, and just saying, look, I'm taking crazy stupid things I've stolen back, saying, look, have this 15-year-old stone frog, I mean, stupid, embarrassing, but I thought, I'm a conscience, you know, and there's a cleansing that comes when you just get right with God, and all that stuff that you have to hide away, and put in that cupboard, and hide it there, it's it's all out now, it's just a cleansed conscience, it's beautiful, baptism speaks of that, and then, uh, what else to speak of? It speaks of rescue from God's terrifying and impending judgment. Let's look at 1 Peter up here. Watch this. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, so we're going back a long time now. You know the story of Noah and the ark and the worldwide flood. Okay. Well, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So the Bible teaches that because of universal sinfulness, God judged the whole world, but he saved Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What's this saying? It's saying this. Just as there was a whole load of water that symbolised judgement over the earth, but there was a boat, an ark, that was brought out of that water and it symbolised salvation, rescue. In exactly the same way, when these guys come out of the water, it's symbolising you're free now from God's judgement. You've got nothing to fear. You can stand before a holy, awesome, eternal God, look him in the eye, and when he says, why on earth should I let you in? You just say, Jesus, and he'll go great. The Father always smiles at the name Jesus. He always smiles at the name Jesus. It's not all oh, because I prayed. No. Oh, I went to church. No. Jesus, He is my righteousness. He is my righteousness. But the Bible says that that ark, it was a type of Christ. It was pointing towards Jesus coming. Why? Because there's the ark being battered by judgment, storms, and thrown around everywhere. But inside, those inside the ark are safe. In the same way, Jesus battered by the judgment of God on the cross. But those in him, safe. Safe from the judgment of God. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So that's what it speaks of. And then finally, just to say this. It's an expression of repentance. It's an expression of turning away from the old and coming into the new. And it's an expression of faith as well. That these, these people that have been baptised are just saying, I'm trusting you, Jesus. It's not just mental saying, I believe the fact. Jesus, I'm entrusting my life to you. That's what the Bible word believe means. It means trust, I'm leaning on you with all that I am. So when should you get baptised? As soon as you believe. It's an initiation rite. That's what it is. Baptism is an initiation rite. So as soon as you come to personal faith in him, you're to be baptised. That's how it works. Now, many don't do this for all kinds of reasons. And so what do we do with those... In that situation, and well, here's what I'd say if that's you, maybe you think, well, you know what? I, I am a believer, but I've never, I've never passed through the waters of baptism. I haven't done this. When, is it too late? No. What would I say to you? Get in the water as soon as you get it. As soon as you realize, hey, I need to do this, we'll get you in the water. You haven't got to prove anything to anyone beforehand other than that you genuinely are joined to Jesus and trust Him and that you're born again. That's, and that's, you know, just there's new life in you. We will baptize you if that is you. In fact, we've got baptisms tonight. You want to get baptized tonight? Come and see me afterwards. I'll talk with you. If you're a believer, we'll baptize you tonight. We often do it spontaneously in the morning as well, but I want—I'd love a few more tonight. So I think we'll blow it. Let's do it tonight. Come back and come back, bring your stuff, and we'll get you in. It's totally—it's an initiation. it's what you do. It's your, its its your, its its the way in. It's part of getting saved. That's what baptism is. There's a guy in the Bible—an Ethiopian guy in the chariot—and he heard the gospel through someone sitting next to him in the chair and then he said well look there's some water out there what's stopping me getting baptised? so they got baptised straight away that's the spirit that's the way we do it and so you get baptised to express obedience also it's a command it's not well you know if someone says I want to become a Christian but I'm not going to get baptised I say no problem just don't become a Christian yet you're not ready it's not that you're ready to be a Christian but not ready to be baptised that doesn't work baptism's part of your obedience I'm going to follow him now and make a public declaration in front of the church I'm a follower of Jesus that's what it's about You haven't got to do the speaking bit. That's optional. It's nice, isn't it, to hear the story. But to publicly be baptised with the church, that's an essential part of it. So I want to just kind of wrap things up now and and say this. The believer, the Christian believer, the born-again believer, the one who has come to know him, has been joined to Christ. The believer has passed away, has died with Christ. The believer has been clothed with Christ. The believer has been cleansed in Christ. The believer has been rescued by Christ and is safe forever in him. All of these things have been accomplished by Jesus. It's not like a Christian has to do certain things to get in with God. No, Jesus has done everything to make a way for us to be accepted before God. And so the key isn't what you do, it's about being joined to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we are welcomed into God's salvation as a free act of God's grace. It's like an invitation. You get an invitation through the post saying, you're invited to this party. That's it. I want to end by inviting you. I want to end by inviting you to come to Christ this morning. You see, the Bible says this. The Bible says that God's people in the old covenant, the Jews, when their Messiah, Jesus, came, the vast majority of them, they didn't notice. They they missed him. They, They didn't like him. They crucified him. And Jesus knew that was going to happen, he said, you know what, he said, the kingdom's been taken away from you, and been given to a people that will produce its fruit. And he told a story of a parable, he said, it was like a king, who would put on a feast, and what he did was, he sent out to his friends to come to the feast, so they were all busy, yeah, I'm I'm busy on my farm, I'm busy, and so, okay, so, uh, what then? Well, the, the king said to his servants, well, just kind of, just go and invite whoever you can find, everyone's welcome. And so, what happened at that point was the servants went out and they went to the highways and the byways and they just said, Come one, come all, there's a feast on, there's a celebration, you're invited. I want to say that to you today. God invites you to his kingdom celebration. God invites you to know him. He invites you into a relationship with him. He invites you to to, to be saved today. And it's a strong message. I'm sure you've picked up this isn't just some kind of, it's not politically correct, number one, not by a long way. It's not necessarily an easy message in the sense that to follow Jesus is your whole life. But I think the fact that Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God, the way, the truth, the life, not a way, a truth, the way, the truth, the life, he can make those kind of demands and it works. I want to say to you, Jesus is alive today. He's at the right hand of the Father in heaven and he's calling you to repent. He's calling you to get saved. He's calling you and I want to give out that invitation and say you're invited to the kingdom you're invited to the party you're invited to the celebration who will come? who will come? I'm going to pray by ending and I'm going to give you opportunity to respond and say do you know what? I want to come I want to come and you can only do that if God's enabled you if he's worked on your heart but if you're feeling, you know you're aware you need forgiveness and you need new life then God will help you to respond let's pray together